0: Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, where we discuss all things related to outdoor nature photography. In today's episode, we talk about all things abstracts, including intentional camera movement, patterns, textures, and other creative methods when out in the field. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: All right. Welcome back to episode 18 of the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. And today we're talking about something a little bit different, but still pertaining to outdoor photography.
0: Yes, uh, we're talking about abstracts and any kind of artful side of photography here. So anyone that's kind of thinks outside the box a little bit and does something more creative with their nature photography, its pretty much what we're going to be talking about today.
1: Sure. All right. So one of the first questions we were thinking about talking about was how much of our photography we consider artful. So both of us do a wide variety of subjects, um, so we definitely shoot different styles of photos. So Ryan, what would you say? How much is artful?
0: Uh, well, I guess the first thing to ask a question on top of a question is, uh, what would you call like artful or something like that? So for me, I guess an artful kind of photograph that I would take is something, you know, it's done with some kind of taste or style. It's not really documentative where you just photograph, let's say a bird on a tree, or maybe you're slow down that shutter speed and show like the wing beats and the wing flaps if that makes sense, and kind of blur that. That would be something that I'd call definitely more creative and artful. Um, or even you could talk about, you know, what what is fine art, you know, and I, I consider that, you know, beautiful photograph, but it's something that could probably like hang on a wall in someone's room. Um, but I would say a good portion of my photography is definitely in that kind of artsy side of um, what I, my work in general, because I do come from like an art background, um, even before photography of doing like painting, drawing think all the stuff I kind of mentioned on that first episode when we're introducing ourselves. Um, But yeah, so I just, I I say that, yeah, art's always been with me. And so it definitely reflects in my work here with uh, photography.
1: Mm -hmm. And do you try to do like, I know with some art, there's kind of an unclear subject. um, It's kind of a principle in some styles. Do you do a lot of work like that where it's just kind of, kind of paint like, or is it mostly just, Realism, yes.
0: Um, yeah. I, I guess, I guess now when I think about it, yeah, I guess my work is kind of divided 50 50 where I will do a lot of like uh, realistic stuff where it's just, you know, photographing as it's seen, like the, you know, the landscape in front of me, or maybe it's like a found object and something a little more intimate. Um, but yeah, the more artsy side I do, I do typically will do just patterns and textures stuff that's kind of really doesn't have a clear defined subject, but it's something that caught my eye and I want to photograph it accordingly to, you know, pretty much display that subject, whatever it may be.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. What do you do? Oh, uh, well, I would say I'm at least landscape wise when it comes to wildlife. I feel like it's just more of a documentary kind of shooting. But for kind of the landscape, general nature style, I would say I'm more artful. I've never really been too attracted to like the wide vista, like 15 millimeters wide angle shot, like with the foreground and stuff. I've never really been that kind of like landscape photographer. I don't always zoom in, but I I just like to capture. It's it sounds so cliche because everyone does this nowadays. I like to capture the (laughs) intimate details of the landscape.
0: (laughs) You're not wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Zoom in on a certain tree or zoom in on a a rock or just even get closer to a rock and focus on that instead um, and get the textures like you said. Um, For example, what I really like to do in the fall, for example, is if there's like, say, a bunch of. Yellow leaves on the ground. I like to look for the one red leaf. And then mm. uh, that's the shot. And I would say pretty much most of the time. I have a defined subject. Uh, it's, it's just. That's just the kind of work I'm attracted to. I guess. Like I always like to have something there. Like I'm not a big fan of like those. Like all one color shots. like Monochrome. I, but, yeah. And like just kind of. I like a clear subject basically. Um, so.
0: Do, do you like shy away from like minimalism because that's kind of what it sounds like to me something that's well, too simple no
1: I think I think minimalism is great um, I think that that definitely does have a cl- clear subject uh, some minimalism you know there's some that aren't but there's some that are it's just kind of a toss-up because that that word's kind of like kind of weirdly defined in the photography community I guess you know what I mean like there's many different people use different definitions for it I would say oh yeah
0: yeah there's there's more than one way to say it at least
1: Because mm-hmm. I know some people they'll go to a beach and just shoot the layers of like the water and say that's minimalism minimalism and then some people will just will shoot like a, a lone tree and say that's minimalism so there's there's many different definitions um, but yeah I like to have a clear subject mostly mm-hmm. and as far as fine art, Uh, like considering my work, fine art, I would say some of it is uh, like probably some of my landscape stuff, especially waterfalls. I do like to shoot quite a bit of waterfalls. I'd I'd like to consider that fine art, um, mostly just because of the work I put into the editing, even though it might not be seen in the photo, like doing focus stacking and all that. I just feel like personally that adds an extra quality to it, Uh, dodging and burning, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, so I feel like focus stacking, honestly, uh, it's more technical, I would say. I mean, there's definitely like an art to it, but overall it's something, the process of it, you know, compiling all those image files together, I would say is definitely more technical. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. But my only thing with that is like, even like painting can be technical too. Like, I'm sure there are some fine art painters that use like the vanishing point, all those techniques. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, I feel like, just focus stacking in general—it's just something. A photo I put more work into. It's like not a single frame. I have to blend things and do different techniques to just. I feel like, like longer editing times for me is generally some of my more fine art work, in my opinion. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I, going back to what you're saying about having like a clear, defined subject, I feel like that's just paramount to like any photo you would take. Honestly, I mean, like, like that's a good standard to really hold yourself to with anything. Really, it doesn't have to be art, photography, or anything else. Really,
1: for sure. Yeah, I feel like really bad photos are ones that don't have any subjects. Like, that's (laughs) like you just take a picture of a brick wall. Like, I mean, sure, it's a nice texture shot, but you know, what are you going to do with it?
0: Yeah, well, that's ironic because we're just talking about patterns and textures. (laughs) But well,
1: that's that's not even a pattern, really. The the brick wall is just kind of a. It's, it's, it's it's a,
0: it's a weird, this is why we're having this discussion, I think, because it's, it's a weird kind of like, line the skirt, I guess, because it is like, is there a defined subject? No. But like, you could argue, well, you know, the whole photo is the subject. And some people say that's kind of cheap. And it doesn't really count. But it just depends on what you want to photograph, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe they want just that brick wall, and it has all the same homogenized look to it. You know, it just really just depends.
1: It also depends what platform people are viewing it on. I mean, if they're on Instagram, they'll probably are more likely to like a photo with like a a giant waterfall and like a sunset or something with like a dragon coming out of it or something. (laughs) Um, But for prints, you know, a person might want to just a simple leaf on the ground to ponder in their house, like just look at it during the day and just think about the significance, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And whether it's a matter of it like filling the frame too as well. Uh-huh. sure. guess it always matters about your focal length at that point <laughs> <laughs> hmm. so what techniques do you really use to photograph abstracts
1: uh, so if we're talking about just general abstracts um, I would say that's probably my most most spontaneous photography because um, it's really just for me it's just what comes to mind it's, I feel like it's kind of the abstract mindset um so for that kind of stuff I really enjoy doing abstracts when I'm on like hikes when even when the main focus isn't really photography I'll just have my camera on a strap um and just kind of look for different subjects that catch my eye um I never especially in that situation never really looking for anything um if it shows up it shows up and I I just take the picture um it may not be technically perfect settings wise cuz it's handheld and everything so yeah I'll I'll carry it around handheld and I, I found the most success with that I can be really spontaneous. As soon as I see a subject that might be good or just a good scene in general, I'll just quickly photograph it. It may not be technically perfect because it's not on a tripod and everything, but it's, I still find the most success with that. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, guess yeah, it depends on the tripod. If it like helps you compose a scene better or not, but um, I find a lot of abstracts. I personally just shoot handheld and it's not really out of like feeling rushed or like general laziness, but it's just kind of like it, it comes more creative, like creatively freeing, I guess, if that makes sense, you know? So, especially with like blurring and stuff, which we'll, we'll touch upon in a little bit. Uh,
1: another thing about handheld, they don't talk about. If you, if you trust your like camera strap enough, which I do, it's like a, it's kind of like a seatbelt almost the material. Um, <laughs> I'm actually quite the climber, so I will climb things sometimes to get new angles. Like I've I've climbed a tree before to get a nice angle on something. Um, A little bit crazy, I know,
0: but (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty uh, daring.
1: (laughs) It allows you to be more mobile in general. Even if you can't climb things, you can still get to places you couldn't with a big tripod. So, Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think never actually climbed a tree to really do something like that. I don't think yeah, so. I'm a
1: little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I used angle. to be—I <laughs> I used to be a big rock climber, so I' am pretty confident. Trees oh, okay,
0: okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I've never really like climbed a tree to really <laughs> see the view. I guess but I'll have to try something someday now. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking notes at least, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what do you use for your techniques?
0: Um, it's it's all over the place. I mean, I. I just, like I said, like to think outside the box, try different things. Um, Cause especially with, you know, digital photography, it's so easy just to just take as many shots as you want. Um, obviously it's, you know, not always the best idea, but it's like, it's nice to have that kind of freedom of restriction where you just don't have to worry about, I have like, you know, a roll of film that has whatever 18, you know, exposures in it. So I can just take as many, if I want to experiment, let's say, um, take as many shots as I want. And just trash the you know the bad ones and keep the good ones, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I do tons of different things. Um, I do lots of blurring, which will, like I said, we'll touch upon it here in a second, probably. Um, I do like lots of patterns, textures, kind of like the stuff that you're saying with the brick wall, just kind of stuff that's kind of it's it's a pattern, so it's consistent, but it's like it just spreads across the whole frame. Doesn't matter about the focal length or any lens choice. It Doesn't matter to me. Um, but then I also do I also do like to do Um, Some chaotic kind of stuff, like we're saying. So not to negate what you are saying earlier, but, you know, sometimes the coolest shots to me are ones where it's just kind of all over the place, you know, and it almost doesn't make sense at first glance. Um, And then, of course, water, you know, like what you're saying with long exposure, that's a big part of my work. Um, But I like to also just experiment with uh, reflections using like a polarizer filter. And then, of course, there's macro selective focus um, and just, yeah, just trying different things with light and color and seeing how it all interplays, you know, when I'm outdoors.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's really what abstracts is about. It's just kind of creating your own shots based on, you know, what's kind of going on in the moment. You know? mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I guess we can touch upon the first one, which is ICM. So do, do you do a lot of this?
1: I would say I do a moderate amount of ICM um, kind of at the moment, I, I do want to change this, but at the moment, it's kind of my backup. If I'm not getting good shots, I, I'll go into some ICM. Um, it probably shouldn't be like that. I should be doing more intentional, dedicated shoots. But right now, it's kind of the backup. Um, but I, I really do enjoy it, and I never fail. Like, every time, I seem to get a decent result. So it's mm-hmm. – I wouldn't say it's an easy style of photography, but it's definitely has a high success rate, I would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's like, what do you really define that as, like, success-wise? It's like, there's really no clear-defined, like, successful or failure shot. Does that make sense? Like, it's Yeah, just-
1: well, I would say if there's... As long as you find a scene with a good amount of color um, and, like, a pretty even exposure, I would guess... Well, it doesn't even have to be an even exposure, but just a good amount of color, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Uh, and if you do the right shutter speed and stuff, you can get some nice shots.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say for those, the ones I've done is like, I like to crank up the ISO or just the whole exposure really, but ISO and have it. So the histograms really to the right, like very far off to the right, which, I mean, that's the proper way you're supposed to expose. At least I'm taught, you know, exposed to the right, but I just like to have them really, really colorful and bright, like you're saying.
1: For and sure. To, yeah.
0: You know, tone, tone it down a little bit, at least in post, but um, yeah, I'm pretty much the same way with that
1: and even if you'd like blow out the highlights it's probably fine to be honest because <laughs> yeah i mean it's it'll just be like a giant mix of highlights so i don't know it's like yeah
0: yeah the whole the whole thing's just overexposed <laughs> i think i think the biggest problem when uh post processing those is that it's the um i have a lot of dust spots on my sensor like or it just seems like they're always different ones in different spots and it changes a lot i'm pretty sure most people have this problem unless you mm-hmm. shoot mirrorless of course um, but I do find I have to clone oh, them out.
1: Mirrorless, mirrorless, sorry to interrupt, but mirrorless has way more dust. Cause we don't have a mirror blocking our sensor. Oh really? Okay. I'm sorry. We get tons of dust. <laughs> Gosh.
0: Well, I find with the abstracts, it's like, it brings out, I don't know how to describe it. It brings out the dust spots. It like, they're much more apparent on any yeah, images. It, you take. I mean, I would guess
1: it kind of, it kind of lengthens the dust spots, right? Cause you're kind of moving your sensor around. So uh, it, like lengthen it a little bit.
0: No, they just show up as little dots. I just, okay. I just see, but like, I I don't know how to describe it. Like I see, like, if you, if you photograph the sky, just the sky, you would see the dust spots easily. If you're in like a much more scattered environment, you can still, it kind of uh, obscures it, I guess. But like on the abstracts, it just, because of the bright colors and everything, I think, and the it's just all blurring, right? It just shows it a lot more to me. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> There's probably some technical explanation <laughs> with the slowing the shutter that maybe causes that, but you know, I don't know.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. So when it, when it comes to techniques, um, which shutter speed are you usually at for that?
0: Uh, I think about, if I recall a third of a second is a good rule of thumb. It's just slow enough where you, when you're doing, you know, tilting, panning, swiveling, shaking, it would pretty much, it's going to guarantee a blur of some sort. It might not be what you're after. It depends. Um, but I would say, yeah, something slower than just, just almost out of one second, somewhere in between that and just, say 125th you know that's a good rule of thumb but i will say depending on what you're after if you want some more uh let's say realism that's kind of retained in the image get a little bit faster shutter so it actually shows more of uh, your environment let's say Um, but mine i like to personally for me i like to have them where it's more a little more far removed and it just shows color and maybe some kind of like if there's a tree trunk and i'm following along it with the camera it would show that little streak of uh, let's say brown if that makes sense, like a line of it. Um, But I like to make mine very, very far removed from reality, but that's just my personal
1: taste. Mm -hmm. I I would say I'm pretty much the same around a similar shutter speed. Um, I think the lowest I'll go on that is two seconds, um, but I find that's kind of... too too much for me. Yeah, pretty much far from reality, but it just depends on the look you're going for, really. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't go any slower than probably one second. Um, and then uh, might as well say the other settings. Um, for aperture, I try to do the most narrow that I can. Um, so I'll be, I think usually I use a small telephoto lens when I do them. And that'll be about F29 or F32. It's something very, 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 very uh, small aperture um, mm-hmm. is what I'd recommend. And for ISO, usually with those two settings combined, you can get a very, very low one. So like a 100 up to 200. I've done maybe 400 every once in a while if it's like a shaded woodland that I'm at, but you know more often than not it's usually around 100. It's a pretty good rule of thumb. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, for for me, I'm pretty similar. Um, I'll set the shutter speed first because it's usually the same, Um, Mm -hmm. and then the ISO. I try to keep it at 100 at all times, uh, for that at least. And then I'll I'll just because I find that aperture doesn't really have much of an effect. So I'll just adjust the aperture based on what the amount of light I need. Um, so if it's like really dark, I'll go to like F4 or F5.6 or something. Because um, I, I really don't find there's much of a difference, to be honest, because you don't really need to worry about focus or anything like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you shoot? Um. Or I'm sorry. Do you use manual focus when you do your ICM or have you?
1: Uh, I just usually focus to infinity and that always works. So, yeah, manual focus.
0: Okay. Yeah, because it's, it's hard to explain, like I said, with the idea of like these shots, because it's like you're not really – some people might be asking now, it's like, well, what are you focusing on or why are you? Because like it's just going to be blurry, right? But like it's hard to explain. Like I've done ones where I purposely had it out of focus. Like you said, it's a manual and just kind of – you know what I mean? Just purposely blur it or it of be like mm-hmm. bokeh or bouquet. Um, but like it still doesn't – it doesn't look right to me. Like you still have to focus on something, you know, Simply, like you said, if you want to go to infinity, you may focus, uh, I think it's a third or two thirds of the way in the scene, um, depending on how far you are with your distance, and, you know, all that sort.
1: You see, I, I never have really had problems with focus before. I guess it's just because um, I don't know. I'm always kind of shooting far away subjects for the abstracts. I don't know about you, but I'm always. Oh, yeah, me um, too. Always, yeah,
0: I wasn't saying yeah. it's a problem, but yeah, I do uh-huh. shoot farther away. Just something about using a telephoto with these kind of shots, I feel like it kind of works better. I've done wide-angle sure. ones, and it's kind of – it's an interesting way to do it, and we could touch upon that um, as another technique within this um, method, I guess. But, um, well,
1: I, I feel like with wide-angle, you're going to be capturing a large portion of the scene, so there's going to be like five or six different colors. If you're zooming in, mm. you're probably going to have like two or three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it cuts out that grass, cuts out the sky –
0: I see. Unless that's what you're going for. I've done well, yeah, one. I've course, done once yeah. where it looks like a landscape. Like you have a blue on the top. That's the sky, and then green grass. Yada yeah. yada. You know that sort of thing. And those and look cool know, too. That's, so. that's
1: why it's called abstract. Because you know you can do whatever you want. You know.
0: Yeah, you are the creator yeah. in this uh, regard. You know, it's you're like, like you're the you're, painter. Yeah, yeah, Bob Ross. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like you're taking what you're seeing in front of you and just like I. I think it's like. If you want to boil it down to just one thing, it's like you're taking the scene in front of you, in this case, like let's say a landscape, and you're you're just kind of stripping all the elements and making it just about color, and basically. And a few patterns and lines that kind of just guide you along. But it's like you're just taking all these elements away and tossing them and just making it about one or two things. It's like you're simplifying mm-hmm. almost. It's abstract. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: Uh, um, um, what about tripods? I know it sounds crazy, but... For me, I use a tripod for my ICM. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. I can't so it, imagine that. I don't know. It allows me to have a more distinct subject. Even if it's very blurry, I can still keep the same composition. I'll just, I'll unloosen the, the like movement on the ball head. I'll just go up and down or side to side. I, I don't do both. I do one or the other, for my shots, uh-huh. um, so, yeah, I just find <laughs> tripod works the best. It's crazy, but that's what
0: do, you, I do. do you use a gimbal gimbal
1: head with that? I don't have a gimbal, but I probably would. If...
0: Huh? I just can't with a ball head. It's so strange. A gimbal yeah. would make more sense to me, but like even then,
1: I mean, I don't, I don't really have for a gimbal, but once I get one someday, someday my my dream is to get a 600 F4. <laughs> it's never going to happen, <laughs> but if it does, I'll need a gimbal. So maybe I'll do it then. <laughs>
0: Our viewership can hold you accountable. I think you mentioned it before.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and our, my viewers can cover the uh, $10,000 cost of that lens. So
0: There's an affiliate link down below. No, uh. <laughs> That's funny. I just can't. I don't know. I probably did try something once or twice, but I don't know. Like I said, it's just something about having it just be handheld is much more freeing to me. And you can kind of do whatever you want. So, but... I guess that answers my response, and I shoot pretty much exclusively handheld in this regard.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just... I guess it's really just personal preference. I just... There's something weird to me, I guess, about just waving it around. Like, I feel like, especially when there's people around, it's a lot more official to have it on a tripod. (laughs) Well, no, no.
0: (laughs) We're not Andy graying this thing up. I mean... He does great stuff, don't get me wrong. I don't really do the shake stuff like he does, to make an example. Mm-hmm. Like I don't fight well, I, to I, shake I, it.
1: Yeah. I, I will say one of my best abstract shots, and this will be in the slideshow. I'll um, also show it to you after or something. But, um, it was a 30-second exposure, which I never do for ab- abstracts, um, but it was at Sunset. And I literally just ran around the beach pretty much with my camera. It's literally like, it was like the best abstract I've taken legit. Like it
0: was. (laughs) So you're running around shaking at the same time, basically. Yeah. And it just turned out amazingly. I guess if you're running, it'd be shaking quite a bit, but like, that's just, that 30 seconds sounds insane. I know. Yeah. You've inspired me. I kind of want to try that now
1: yeah try it like even like if you're on a hike just like hold your camera in front of you and like walk for 30 seconds and see what happens i've done that
0: yeah i've done stuff like that with touch shutter accidentally being pressed on and i'm walking (laughs) and i hear i hear it press in the (laughs) mirror lock up and i'm like what the heck and i'm like i have to wait 20 seconds you know stupid stuff like that
1: i Um, heard of this guy who was on like a really long hike and he put his camera back in his bag um and his shutter got clicked down by like a Like something in his bag so his camera literally took like a hundred thousand shots over the hike and he like ruined it so
0: oh my gosh the batteries got sucked dry yeah (laughs) that's great um yeah let me let me let me let's get us back on track here (laughs) tangents right um so like there's different techniques i um in icm intentional camera movement photography um so let me just list out a couple of them that i do um, I'll do main, mainly. I do panning and tilting, uh, which is where you just, as it suggests, like think if it like you're photographing a movement, like a sports, like a football game, or a bird in flight, and you follow with your camera. I pretty much do the same thing with an abstract in this regard. Um, and then tilting, that's just kind of like moving it. You know, I don't know how to describe it. Just tilting it, basically, as your mid shutter capture. Um, and then I'll even do ones where I zoom in and out, which uh, mid shutter capture, of course. And those can create some really hypnotic effects, I think. Um, but I, I don't really do this too much. Um, and then twisting, which uh, going back to what, doing like a wide-angle abstract, those are ones where I actually like to do this because they're a lot of fun. And you twist your body and do like a 360. Um, and it, it just creates a really kind of cool swirl, I guess, in the image if you're taking it horizontally. And then, of course, there's the camera shake lens, but I, I don't do this too much. I like to keep it more controlled and kind of more at my... Uh, you know, keep my arms tucked in and kind of just pan and stuff, tilt. Um, But that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. I mean, those are, when you say pan and tilt, are you like panning and tilting at the same time or? Uh, uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, probably a couple times I've done it both, like at the same, you know, for the same exposure. Um, No, I usually just do like a left to right, right to left as one image and then up and down or something like that um i just find that works the best yeah it really just depends though i mean like i said mm. when you when you had a third of a second you really don't have that much time to really move it around too much and i kind of like that i guess <laughs> i'm contradicting myself because there's a time about having freedom of you know expression but it's kind of like i like to have that kind of wind small window of time to make the image um, just so you have to pan it very precisely i guess if you want to call it that See, so, yeah, I, I would recommend for anyone that may be interested or I guess get inspired now now that they've, you know, I've heard of this type of photography because quite frankly, I don't feel like it's it's a very niche kind of photography that um, very few people do. I know there's a new magazine that came out recently that's centered around the subject matter, um, which is really, really cool to see that kind of awareness go up. Uh, but I would just recommend it's, it sounds like it's dead simple and it really is like just go out with your camera, slow down that shutter a little bit, like we said. Um, have a very very small aperture um anything above like f20 or anything you know higher f stop all that stuff um so like f20 and above and just go from there and just try like i said try these different techniques shake your camera um if it's a zoom lens zoom that in and out mid shutter twist shake like henry said run around the beach with it like just try different things yeah and just see really what you come up with um I would say the best time of year is fall foliage. It's a beautiful time to be out doing those kind of abstracts because you just get so many bright, warm colors that people love. But even summer with greens and browns and stuff like that work as well. Or even winter, you get lots of cool kind of icy blues and white and gray that kind of get mixed in. So I've done them all times a year, and they all produce different results. But I, I just happen to like a lot of them as well. So that's what I'd recommend if anyone wants to try it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that ICM is really like a beginner could pick it up and you come don't pretty mean, quick. Yeah, they. I mean, you they don't need to know a camera. It. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, you could even with to an extent. Obviously, you can't do long shutter speeds, but you could do like a nice ICM with an iPhone. I bet even, and honestly, mm-hmm. if it's a good composition, people probably will notice the difference. So. um like honestly, honestly yeah, like these people you're right yeah these people right. like andy gray who do like these uh he does amazing icm work but he's he's like an expensive camera and i i always think when i watch his videos and stuff like why why do you have that camera <laughs> i mean you know you, you could <laughs> have like a, a tripod little... too <laughs> uh-huh. yeah well he he knows what's up then.
0: <laughs> it's funny because he makes a big deal of it. he's like oh i'm bringing my tripod today oh no what am i doing you know that sort of thing <laughs> yeah i think the thing that makes him stand out a little bit from most people is like he puts so much effort in the post-processing like it's like you know what i mean like it's just it's Mm -hmm. like an abstract so like i just don't i can't fathom how much attention to detail he puts in the making them how he sees fit like it's just insane
1: but he's i mean by doing that he's pretty much cemented himself as like the best abstract photographer in the world i would say
0: He's, I would say, yeah, he's, I personally, I've seen quite a few, I think. And then of course yours truly, <laughs> but like, he's honestly head and toes above head and shoulders, <laughs> head and toes, <laughs> he's head and shoulders above the rest. Like from what I've seen, just because like I said, he puts so much attention to detail in the post-processing and just, it's just, it's insane. Like he has live streams dedicated to this where he just, people watch him edit photos and he takes hours to edit just one image. It's like insane. Like I just... I, I don't know, but, like, the results show it. Like, you look at his Instagram, and it just, it really shows it.
1: Yep. And um, he, he has a distinct style, too. It's always kind of that orange tint, like a nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A good, like, a pretty large amount of blur, but there's still usually a distinct subject because I think he usually is, like, looking for castles or old houses. Um, or like, mm-hmm. I think he's in England or something, so yes a lot lot to work with there so he
0: he goes to the beach a lot too i think which inspires that kind of like um like taupe sepia kind of look to it Mm -hmm. that tan color yeah
1: there's another type of abstract photographers i really like i've never really done this but it's just a really really slight blur um they're kind of almost basically landscape photographers but it's uh it's it's like a
0: like a soft focus
1: yeah, it's pretty much nothing's in focus, but you can clearly see like every element of the scene. Huh? Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I saw that in like the ICM magazine. I saw oh, the... like I saw it on that Instagram. Um Huh? So I'll link that in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. But there's a lot of those kind of people in there. Yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, yeah. I'm just so yeah. I guess you set the manual your focus. I mean, and you just kind of purposely eh, kind of dial it back so it makes everything blurred but i can see that being really cool actually i might might be something i have to try now i can't really recall a time where i did that purposely at least
1: you may have accidentally done it before and uh, (laughs) like i i I encourage all of our listeners to go back to your lightroom libraries uh give that photo of motion blur a second chance maybe you can bring up some shadows or something and make a nice icm out of it who knows yeah
0: yeah it's a good point is look back on your catalog and see really what you have because you might have a few junk shots that kind of pass by you and you're like why didn't i delete these but you know maybe this maybe this episode would get you like a newfound interest in like okay maybe there's something more there that i can kind of work with and you can enjoy
1: Mm -hmm. even like i i just had this thought i don't know if this is crazy but like a intentional blur of like a bird flying i wonder if you could like yep i've seen those oh really oh yeah
0: like a like a flock uh, especially during like migratory times um i've seen tons of where it's like a blur, excuse me bird flock and it shows some kind of slowed shutter speed it's it's, it produced some really kind of insane results um i would look this up it's just fascinating to see these like i guess you've ever seen like the longest exposures no. Have you ever
1: seen, like, the koi fish in the pond? Like, people do long exposures of that. It's super cool. Oh, no, I don't think
0: I've seen that in particular. Huh. Yeah, it creates, like, same nice, idea.
1: yeah, pretty much the same principles. Creates, like, nice orange lines in the water, which is really mm-hmm.
0: cool. Conveys the motion and all that stuff. Yeah. That's really cool, huh? I'll check that out. Yeah, I've never really like, gotten a chance to do, like, the bird's sorry. long exposure. Huh. I, I've wanted to, but it's just, you know, <laughs> never really thought of it. Or never was ready quite for that.
1: I mean, me with my F11 lens, sometimes I cannot get those shutter speeds up <laughs> high enough to uh, freeze the motion because that, that ISO gets way, way up. So I, yeah. I'll have to try that. Yeah,
0: Fair enough. Yeah, maybe this can be our homework as well for us, both of us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's great. Uh,
1: but long, long exposure in general is just a really powerful tool. Like there's so much stuff you could do with it. Um, I would say it's definitely my favorite, like, area of photography it's not really a style but just favorite general shutter speed to be in is that mm -hmm. region
0: i I would call it a honestly i would call it a genre like it's such a big part of most of the time it includes like water but i mean like we said it could be a you know flock of birds in flight could be a koi fish in a pond or you know cars going by honestly you know with the headlights going off i've done that plenty of times and that's fun to experiment with like there's just so many ways you can so many ways you can just when you prop that camera on a tripod and slow down that shutter, like just see what the results are, and you could be really surprised, you know, really what comes of it.
1: For sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much conclusive for ICM, I think. Unless there's anything else you want to add.
0: Yeah, no, not really. Okay. They're fun to do, though, guys. So I'd recommend it. Just Check try it out. once. Try it and- like you'll try it once, and it might suck, but like try it like 500 times, you might like it more.
1: And definitely check out Andy Gray and all those people on Instagram. Be really inspired.
0: Or our slideshow on the YouTube. If you're you're watching yes, and listening,
1: we, we are master ICM photographers. So you don't need to look at anybody else. I
0: mean, you know, <laughs> we're pretty good. We're modest, but anyways. Um, so another big part of big part of my abstract work is patterns and textures, and uh, we touched upon it quite a bit already, but. Um, I feel like it just goes with mentioning it's like your subject matter. Um, So if I'm out hiking, let's say a trail, and I can think of a few examples where I just like saw a neat pattern and it was like uh, dried mud cracks. You ever seen those where it just kind of like has this weird kind Mm -hmm. of veiny look to it? Yeah, I've seen a few times where that's kind of occurred. Um, And especially if you get like little green kind of like plants stuff growing out of it. Um, that, that's really exciting kind of like time for me because I'm just like, okay, I can put on a wide angle and photograph this like straight down and it creates this cool kind of look to it. There's lots of, lots of detail going on that you really have to, you can't just look at once and really see what you're looking at. You have to kind of give it like a double take and really absorb what you're seeing. Um, and there's I've made quite a few of that or just like twigs kind of interspersed across that dried mud. Um, tons of times where I've seen that as well. Um, even like stuff like ice like frozen twigs and ice or leaves and ice that creates a really kind of artful look to your photographs Um, you're documenting it but it's like it's something that's a little different it's like people may go past that and not really like fully appreciate what it is in front of them or even just like little patterns and textures and sand Um, that's something Mm -hmm. i've seen a time or two yeah where you just kind of you crop in and zoom in close and you kind of get that yeah it looks weird and different but then you go like, oh, um, it's just sand. it
1: even even like even if you're not doing like an abstract, just using that patterns in sand for like a foreground in a landscape can be really powerful as well uh, I mm-hmm.
0: so. yeah yeah
1: uh, another thing I would definitely look out for is like dew on grass like even if you're not shooting close up, you can get like a one of my favorite shots is after like the melting snow with dew and there's like this golden light that's like hitting the water. It's one of my favorite, like, abstract shots. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, definitely try to shoot in, like, the early morning if you're trying to get some nice, like, reflection kind of shots like that. Mm-hmm.
0: I would say springtime is probably one of the best times for that because you get, you know, mm-hmm. really, really cold overnight, and then the morning kind of thaws everything out. So, like, especially in, like, April, I'd say it's the best time for that kind of that really dewy grass. Um, so you get down real low, at least that's what I would do get done really low on that you know kind of like eye level with the grass the grass blades and all that and then um, one technique i've tried and it's produced some really cool results um is if you want to get bokeh, is that you manual focus so it kind of puts everything out of focus and it kind of just picks up all these different dots of the water droplets and it looks really really cool
1: for sure um, another thing that's really cool is if you go on a creek bed um that's like fairly like that doesn't have a lot of rocks, um, you can get some like really cool, like wavy textures from like the sands or from the water that like weathers the sand and the dirt. Um, I've gotten some pretty cool shots with that. Um, And sometimes as long as you're not like destroying the environment, you could like place a leaf there or something, as long as it's like always already fallen off the tree or something um, and get some really cool shots with that.
0: Hmm. Yes. That's that's neat. It's a neat idea. I've even done ones where, it's like a really really shallow creek um and then there's like let's say there's midday light um i'm thinking one example i took earlier this year and it kind of creates that you know like kind of reflective sheen on the entire water um i kind of like the look of that and so there's one time where i was just kind of like you know i'm going to prop up my camera and stuff pointed at the water as it's flowing and it it just has this weird look to it it kind of looks like um i don't know what you call it like it looks really porous like skin it's just like a strange look, and you almost have to, like I said, do a double take and be like, what am I really looking at? You know, it's almost hard to tell, but um, it, it's just like neat to experiment with, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. And just really, really any texture in general that you see, even tree bark. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned mm. this, but tree bark can be really powerful. No.
0: That's a good example. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Because tree bark, mm. it's like, um, no matter where you live, you probably. I'd hope have trees around you, at least some trees, um, but it's like, there's so many different trees out there and each one has their own unique kind of bark structure and patterns and stuff within it. And then you put on top of that, like, let's say like lichen, where it's like that, like moss, fungi kind of stuff that you see. And it's just like, you could do so much with it. Macro, um, even wide angle, sometimes abstracts of that. Like there's just so much you can do with it, which is really neat.
1: And it's truly a universal kind of photography you can pretty much do that kind of texture really close-up style pretty much anywhere like you could live (laughs) in the ugliest place and still be able to find stuff
0: yeah yeah it's like you go out in your backyard and like i said hopefully you have a tree at least at least one and you can experiment that way like you don't have to travel a million miles away to take an abstract i think that's a neat part
1: i mean that's how i that's how i started i would bring out my little camera with the kit lens and just um just photograph the leaves and photograph just different plants around my yard. And then it eventually evolved into landscapes and wildlife and stuff. But that's Mm -hmm. how I got my start. And I continue to do that today. So
0: I got to ask now, like, do you think that like, do people start out as abstract photographers or do people like photograph realistic things and then go to abstracts? You know what I mean?
1: I I really think people start out as kind of catch all photographers, to be honest, or at least for me. I would like, I remember like the first month or two of photography, I would do a bunch of flowers, a bunch of textures, but I'd also like photograph weird subjects in my house. Like I, I lit my piano once with like a lamp and like did a shoot of that. That That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. I did like a snowflake on my windowsill and like I would, I placed this plant by my window. I remember that was actually the first shot I ever took. It's like this plant. And then I went into Lightroom. I just got Lightroom um, and I, changed the color from green to blue. And I thought it was the coolest thing on the planet.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I remember the time I found that out, I took like a whole woodland shot of like, just like green leaves, I believe. And I switched it to yellow. I was like, this is <laughs> the weirdest thing. This is the future.
1: <laughs> did you overuse it for like the first six months? Cause I definitely did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I took the, I took two copy images, uh, JPEGs, exported them. And I was just like, okay, this is cool, but it's dangerous. I don't want to like fake it, you know? But it was really I, cool I, to see that effect. Yeah. I would cool. do
1: like the drag down all other colors, keep the one color up. Oh, that. Yeah. 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 I've been doing
0: that recently too, just for fun. It's neat to experiment with.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I, I feel like people kind of niche down or even just, um, just discover what works best for them and based on their environment yeah Uh, there's there's another group that get uh cameras primarily just for uh like portraits and i feel like they'll pretty much stick to that um but i feel like people like us we really start out like you were saying like abstracts but a little bit more general too as well Mm -hmm.
0: i just think with like my art background just non-photography art like i i'm kind of surprised i didn't start with this kind of more style of photography but it's something that like Kind of like what I was, you were saying, it's, like, it's I feel like most people do like a catch-all. They're all just about photographing whatever, whenever. And I mean, that's cool because a lot of people start that way. Uh, but it wasn't until a couple years in of like, let's say my nature photography career where I was like, let's just try this. And I just tried it one day with like some fall foliage, bright blue sky behind it. And I was like, this is, I was hooked. Like that day, I was just like, this is so cool. So I've just been doing it ever since on and off.
1: Yeah, for sure i I can't remember what was really the first shot that really got me into nature but i i think it was some kind of waterfall um hmm. yeah or no i think what i i really started as kind of a travel photographer because before all this pandemic I, I i would travel quite a bit um, so that that really i i own i really owe a lot of um credit to that because it really you really have to think on your feet like a lot more of a nature photography hmm. i would yeah. say because it's just there's a lot of people and you can't wait around. You just got to get the shot. Now, not yeah. saying I got any amazing travel shots, but um, <laughs> it was definitely still a learning experience. So,
0: well, yeah, it's worth mentioning. Let us,
1: let, us, yeah, let us know down below if you'd like a travel episode.
0: I know just the guess for that one, um, but we have to stay tuned for that. <laughs> Things in the works. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That'd be a yeah. good guess. I know what you're talking about.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tight lipped on that one, guys. We got some good guests coming up, by the way. So stay tuned. Big
1: <laughs> but... names, big names.
0: We can't even contain ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I will say about travel, since you mentioned it, it's you don't even have to travel far, too, which is neat. Like you can just mm-hmm. be in your, I've done travel stuff in my hometown, you know, and just, yeah, you don't have to travel far. Simple as that.
1: And but, there's no reason to limit yourself. I mean, I remember Ryland was talking about this two episodes ago. He's um, defying what other people are saying and just doing him and, you know, just he, doing all the styles he likes. And so
0: He's he's succeeding at it, I think. Like, he's doing yeah, what he loves. Sure. And yeah. he's like, he's getting a lot of haters. I don't know why, because I just true. feel like it's unwarranted. <laughs> but, you know, he's just paving the way for himself. Doesn't Doesn't really care about it. Doesn't really care about the haters, I mean. But... <laughs>
1: Yeah. But anyways, uh-huh.
0: we're this is like we're the king of tangents. I swear. Uh, so yeah, we'll touch upon. A mean, few that,
1: that's isn't that all podcasts though? So just tangents. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's uh-huh. no fun if you don't you know talk about stuff off topic. Uh-huh. I guess. But um, yeah, let me touch upon a few other techniques I do for abstracts. Um, so water reflections, um, like I mentioned, w- water is a big part of my work. Um, I know we talked about long exposure a little bit, um, but reflections in particular are something that I really like to seek out because you can do so much with it. Um, Let's say if a bird is perfectly framed in an image and the water is very, very still, get a reflection of that. Um, But what I'm really talking about in this case is like where I'm isolating just the reflection itself. So it creates its own kind of abstract, um, if that makes sense. So let's say I'm across from a lake and I see some like birch trees or sycamores and it has that white bark. Um, I can think of one example I'm looking at now and there's like some brown water reflected in the lake um, but so what I do is I tilt the camera downwards, focus on the water and I make sure that just above where would be the top of the frame is the horizon, but I cut it off. So all you're saying is water. Um, but it creates this kind of ripply effect. That's really neat that, um, I guess you call it painterly it has like the neat look to it that I like to, I know it's just something to seek out. I think whenever I'm outdoors with the camera.
1: Yeah. Reflections are super powerful. Uh, just, just a tip for everyone. Uh, polarizers can eliminate your reflection. So if you're trying to get a good shot, um, make sure you're not polarizing that part of the scene. Uh, mm-hmm. I know I've done that before. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Def- do you kind of, do you ever like zoom into reflections or you, you get kind of the wider reflection or?
0: Um, like I said, most of the time I do, I will, I will use a zoom pretty much all the time. Um, usually it's a small telephoto is what I use, um, for pretty much most of my abstracts, honestly. Um, but it just helps the, you know, compose a little better, I think in this regard. Um, but yeah, it's, what would, what would you use? I would say, what would you use?
1: I don't do a whole ton of reflection shots. Um, but I would, I would definitely zoom in to that.
0: Okay yeah Mm -hmm. i guess another thing is like it just it depends on what you're going for in composing um sometimes like i'm thinking of one image I took probably about three years ago so it's it's quite an older image um but let's say if there's a piece of driftwood or it's just like a dead tree trunk just floating in the water or even just a twig that's kind of sticking out and i will compose the photograph so that's an even horizon right in the middle of the frame and it creates that really a pleasing look with it because you get the reflection and of course that's probably going to be symmetrical with the actual you know whatever it is sticking out of the water um and that's a neat kind of technique that i'd like to do so that way just creates symmetry i guess and kind of nice mm-hmm. balance to the image visually speaking or even like yeah, reed, sure. reed grasses i've done that probably a time or two um where that just looks it, it creates such a cool effect i don't know how to describe it but you just have to try it yourself just like some reed grasses or something thin sticking out water and then like i said just frame everything so it's kind of nice and centered increasing the
1: kind of abstracts Mm -hmm. have you done any uh like work with like your wildlife lens have you ever tried to do any abstracts with that
0: uh yeah (laughs) there's a time or two where i'm like i was in a bird mode or whatever you want to call it and i had it attached and i'm like looking afar and i'm like wow that's like i'm just seeing like let's say a woodland or something i'm like it's so far away, but I'm like, I kind of like the look of it. And so there's been a few times where, yes, I've, I've just used my 150 to 600, you know, it depends on the focal length. Right. But I would just, you know, make a blurring abstract or something, or even a water reflection. I've done that a time or two. So just depends on what's available, but sometimes I am lazy, you know, to be (laughs) fair.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I, I found that my 600 millimeter really can create some great abstracts. Uh, It's kind of like, if you plant it or point it at like any plants, I find it just creates this beautiful like blurred out look, um, and it's just I don't know, really cool. You're definitely not going to get anything realistic with that focal length, um, unless it's but like super far away. But you can still get some cool stuff.
0: But that background's going to look really clean though, because yes, that, fo- sure. that focal length doesn't really matter your aperture. I mean, that focal length it, it is, it is so far. FL-
1: Yeah, it is at f11, but it, it is you know still a nice thrown out background
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i guess it also matters distance um both in like minimum focusing distance and also just like your actual distance so if you're farther away from a subject it's going to create that more draw distance i guess and it will drop you know drop out the background out of focus Mm -hmm. which on its own looks pretty artful i would say you know a lot of images where it has a super clean background can look really really artsy like it almost looks like a painting
1: for sure yeah and yeah. what you're saying with focus, just kind of a general thing, the closer your I believe this is right, the closer your subject is to your camera, the more the background will be blurred. Hmm. That's, wh- that's why you can have problems with landscapes if you have a really close foreground. Um, if you focus on that, the rest of your scene will be unsharp, but generally if you focus on the background, you'll at least get some sharpness leading back from that. Mm,
0: yeah i mean the way i was taught is like if you're using let's say a wide angle lens and you point kind of tilt it down like into a landscape scene the foreground is always going to be accentuated doesn't matter what it is mm. so so yeah, you said to just, your it advantage
1: just, it just all comes down to lens character really
0: mm-hmm. lens choice and all that yeah yeah you know touch upon focus a little bit um selective focus is something i've tried out a time or two where it's basically the same as uh, manual focus, but like you're just kind of using it to your advantage to make an image look a little bit more far removed from reality. So uh, there's one example I can think of that's, it's a giant, I, don't, I actually don't know, I can't recall what leaf it is, but it's a giant like leaf at a botanical garden I was at about a year or two ago. And I get on my extension tube and I do a macro style, but what I do is I kind of, I don't know, I just like mainly focus on the stem, the centered stem of the leaf. and you just have you know all the different veins and stuff, you know, branching out from it, and it, it creates this kind of weird look to it, where it's like you almost don't really think it's a leaf. I would think um, it just has a weird kind of look to it because it's so cropped and zoomed in, and that manual focus throws out the rest of it, um, what you don't focus on, out of focus. In this regard, um, that I don't know, I just think it's a neat look and it's something.
1: What aperture do you usually use for that?
0: Um. I could probably check real quick. Uh, let's see. I no, I do not have it in front of me. Um, probably aperture of like something very very uh wide. I would say like f five point six and above. That's my guess. So, and so when you're using a macro lens, I believe I could be wrong about this, but um, if you use a really wide aperture, it's going to make a really it's going to bring out you know the background a lot more out of focus. I would believe because of that.
1: Yeah, macro focusing is probably the hardest type of focusing you could go into, because it, mm-hmm. it the closeness of the lens. It you'd think that it would make everything in focus, but it just doesn't. It's like extremely challenging sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I recommend to anyone that wants to do that more um, or any macro really is to set it to live view and then manual focus that way. That's kind of how I do it. When I do.
1: And, and turn on focus peaking if your camera has it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. So, is there any other techniques you use, Henry?
1: I don't really do too much with the selective focus. Um, what I will say with the macro is my aperture I use usually is F8. I just found, especially for the smaller flowers, I find if I focus on the center, um, that'll get the leaves, or the not the leaves, what I'm saying, the petals and the It's all the kind of texture and focus, but still a really, really blurry background. Um I'm usually out at like two hundred and forty millimeters on my lens um for Mm -hmm. that. Uh and I like to get nice and close, kind of fill the frame. I don't have a macro lens, but it's pretty much macro, I would say. uh, Um which is nice. I am thinking about getting some extension tubes too. I don't I don't know how much of an effect that'll make. Um, but you know. Very (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's not there are I will say they're a very affordable um attachment option to just make a macro photographs like all of mine are done with it at least so far yeah and they're, they I, don't cost that much they really don't
1: and I, I was thinking about throwing that on my uh 85 millimeter f1.8 8 and really just kind of I really like the look of that focal length um I feel like sometimes two is too compressed for flowers just personally so mm-hmm. I'd really like to experiment with that, see how that looks um and I know mm. Thomas Heaton has been using that combination for his macro. He didn't do too much, but um uh, I watched <laughs> his video he he's the same lens as me, and he used extension tubes with that, and that worked great so
0: huh, that's cool. I think yeah, he got like a set of three for like less than a hundred hundred pounds in his country uh, or something that's... like that it wasn't it wasn't that much at least, uh-huh. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, F8's a good choice as well. That's kind of a good middle ground, I would say.
1: Yep. Um, but I would say if you're trying to, specifically macro, this isn't really abstract, but if you're trying to capture like a bug or something, um, I would say definitely like F11 at least because it can be really hard to get focus on that guy.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Fair enough. That, yeah, that focus will be hunting like the whole time I'd imagine, especially if it's moving around, or buzzing about
1: or whatever. Very, very complicated for sure um mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to get like a really in-depth macro photographer on here sometime i mean there's me <laughs> like i i, I did yes, quite a bit yes, like, yes, i yes, just mess yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we could do I a mean, macro like, episode it's an idea yeah
1: for sure but i mean like also the people who like walk around with like a portable studio like they have their lights set up for the field and like
0: oh uh, yeah the lens um the macro flash Uh like that ring light
1: and they got like vintage flipped over lenses with like eight (laughs) extension tubes and stuff
0: (laughs) custom modern and all that Uh that's cool yeah that's a good idea yes well I think I think that about wraps it up I I was gonna ask one more question so uh, Henry do you consider abstracts a legitimate form of photography for sure
1: for sure just like um, painting abstracts is legitimate Um, it is as well for photography um, it's it's really a large catch-all term as well. So there's so many different subgenres, and just it, all abstracts are photog- photographic art, in my opinion. Yeah,
0: so. it, it's like if you take an image, I would consider that a photograph. I would consider that photography. So in this regard, it's like that's that's what it is. It's abstract. It's mm-hmm. just a different type of it. It's it's one that's like I said, it's niche. It's not really it's not frowned upon, I don't think, but it's just like one that really is you know, off forgotten, because it's Mm -hmm. not like, oh, there's no, in most cases, it's like, oh, there's no, uh, like, clear defined subject, or there's no focus part of the image. It's just kind of like a thing. And it's like, what do you even call that? What do you interpret that as? I'm like, well, it's, it's art. (laughs) It's all it is, really, then. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, other forms of art don't put rules on things. So why should photographers put rules on their art? You know?
0: Yes, yes. 100%. This man knows what's up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Well, uh, um,
0: real quick, do you have any announcements or anything? uh, I don't really don't have much.
1: Yeah. I don't really have much either. Um, like we said, there's, we got a pretty big guest coming up soon. Um, probably in about two weeks for you guys. Uh, we'll have that podcast out two or three weeks. Um, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, and we'll also be going on this person's podcast as well. So, um, be excited mm. for that, I guess. Um, <laughs> told yeah, his, I will say you told him, it, him too much. It, it, yeah. Uh-huh. It's a landscape photographer, um, pretty reputable one. So if you like that, make sure you definitely tune in. Uh, and that, that's so pretty many. much it for me. I don't really have any personal announcements.
0: Yeah. Same here. Right. Um. Yeah.
1: Well, sorry Leave if this it. is a bit of a tangent, Um, but it is just like the title. It's abstract photography. So, like, abstract podcast, I guess, as well. So. <laughs> It's all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, it's been great. Uh huh. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for watching the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing the next one. Thank you.